Welcome. Welcome to Lit in Love. I'm Mariah. And I'm Haley. <laughs> and this is a podcast about books and the love that exists within books. Yeah, yeah. Haley, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to do a video recording. And if this is audio only, then it means something messed up. <laughs> but <laughs> but we really tried. I was going to say we tried our best. Mm-hmm. We're trying like mid level. Yeah, I I didn't do any research. I was like, this will be easy. It's 2023. There's certainly a way to record a video in Discord. And then I was like, oh, I have to read something. Blind optimism is really a trait of ours, and I think that we're better for it. I think so too, because you just jump right in, and you're like, who knows where this will go? Sometimes it goes good exactly. places, and sometimes. You know, (laughs) I don't know why I told you I was ready because I wanted to get Haritos from the fridge. Oh, get Haritos. Get Haritos and I'll talk about how it's crazy weather right now. I'll put the headphones next to Mina so she can listen to you because she's right here. Yep, of course. I miss Mina. Um, Mina, she's beautiful. She's a cat. And I visited Haley recently and she sat on my lap, which was really exciting. Really big day for me. Um, But in California, the weather right now is crazy. I know that we record these episodes like beforehand. uh, So this will come out like later when maybe the weather is not crazy. But it snowed today. And I don't even know what elevation I'm at, but it's low elevation. So yeah, it snowed today. And I, uh, I did a lot of relaxing and doing nothing. And I finished Bridgerton, so that was cool. Well, I just finished the second book. Is that as far as the show has gotten? Yes. So nice. The I guess there's like nine books, and there's eight Bridgerton siblings. So there's like a book for oh, each yeah, of yeah. them, and then I think there's like a wrap up book. But um, the books are more like singularly focused on the two characters like the seasons and the show they have like all these other different plot lines going on at once and I was like oh there's nothing about anybody else (laughs) so I do like the show a little bit better okay interesting there's always differences yeah um I I don't know I don't know what my hesitation is it's, it might just be one of those, it's popular. I don't want to be interested in it. That's usually what is my thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm going to, if I don't immediately get obsessed with it, I'm like, I'm going to stand back. <laughs> well, yeah. And I, and I don't even give it a chance really to get obsessed with it because maybe I fear that I will. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm like, I know. And then Caitlin will be like, you're going to enjoy it. We're going to watch it. And I'm like, all right, cool. You've made this decision. <laughs> So Caitlin watches Bridgerton? Yeah, she had well she had watched it when it came out and she was like, You would enjoy it. We're gonna watch it. And I was like, Okay, we can't decide what to watch. That sounds fine. And then we watched the entire <laughs> first season. <laughs> Did you so. watch Mayor of Easttown? Yes. I feel like Caitlin watched yeah, that we first. Watched it, yeah, we watched it together and it was like yeah. whew. So good. It was really good. Oh, and speaking of Caitlin. Yay! There she is. It's so to our mug. listeners, <laughs> this is a gift from Mariah because we call our group chat with our friend Caitlin, film critics. So it's a very cute, personalized mug. 
that has my guava haritos in it. Beautiful. Go Shutterfly. Yeah. <laughs> Go haritos. So I think we're caught up on the media <laughs> we're consuming. I mean, we, yeah. <laughs> oh, I started uh, The Body Keeps the Score today. And Ooh. that's really intense. And I'm enjoying it so far. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Which one is that one again? So it's by, it's by um, like a professional, I don't know if he's a psychologist or probably a psychiatrist. Um, he has like an MD title. I haven't really looked him up, but I've heard okay. um, there are actually like allegations against him, which is like really ironic because the whole book is about trauma <sighs> and how the body stores trauma. And, like, he's worked since, like, the 70s um, with people who are traumatized, okay. like, uh, Vietnam veterans and uh, I think even, like, World War II veterans. And it's, like, a really fascinating start because it starts with, like, shell shock and before they knew mm-hmm. about PTSD. And then he goes through his work, um, like, working with uh, victims of sexual assault and things like that. So it's very interesting. You just learn how, like, the body keeps the score <laughs> i just remember seeing a meme it's like wish i had a body that did not keep score it's a little rude it's a little too competitive it's not a competition oh, my goodness it's like if my if my brain can't remember why are you doing this body right. why can't we forget yeah okay so before we jump into introducing our book do you want me to do my segment yes 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 go 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 okay so another thing that i've been reading is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. You gonna look at how to pronounce it? Literally listening to it. I'm so terrible with names. Oh my god. I think that's right though. Ibram? No matter how prepared I am. Abram. A- oh, is it Abram? Ibram X. Kendi. Ibram X. Kendi. Okay, so Ibram X. Kendi is a uh, black scholar, American author, professor, and uh, he wrote this book in 2019 and then updated the original uh, publication to become more relevant to current events, um, made it like more precise, annotated with notes and added sources. So the version that I'm listening to is that updated version, um, because obviously the uh-huh. past several years have been like a social reckoning for uh, racial justice. So one of the first things in the introduction that I wanted to mention is like the idea that racism is an existential threat to humans globally. Like he says, it's like a nuclear bomb or global warming or all those like big human wide threats that is in the same category Mm -hmm. as racism. So I'm just going to do three introductory ideas laid out in the book i'm not gonna like add in my own bullshit because it's not my place so he talks about how he gave a speech on martin luther king day in 2000 um as someone who i think was like just about to graduate from high school uh he now looks back on this speech and regrets it um because of the attitudes that he was putting forth so his quote about that is A racist society handed me the ammunition to shoot black people, to shoot myself, and I took it and used it. Internalized racist ideas are the real black-on-black crime. So he looks back on that and he's like, the problem wasn't my black community needs to do more. It's, It's like, why was I putting all of that 
on black people. Like I'm just perpetuating the same issues. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing that I pulled out was uh, he talks about Trump, which like if you're going to talk about racism in the past decade, you can't not mention Trump. He talks about mm-hmm. racist things Trump said before and during his presidency and how Trump would say, I'm the least racist person, which I think most of us have heard him say that because he would say like, I'm the, mo- I'm the least racist person you'll ever interview or you'll ever meet or whatever. So, <laughs> so the, <laughs> like, yeah. So the quote goes, uh, denial is the heartbeat of being racist, beating across ideologies, races, and nations. It is beating within us. Many of us who strongly call out Trump's racist ideas, who strongly deny our own. How often do we become reflexively defensive when someone calls something we've done or said racist? So true. that's a good reminder. The third point is that, again, these are all like introductory ideas to hopefully get listeners interested in the book. The opposite of racist is not not racist, but anti-racist. There's not like a safe middle ground for you mm-hmm. to hide in um, if that scares you. There's no like neutrality. Um, which reminded me of that like MLK quote, which was about um, moderate liberals being like a really big threat mm-hmm. to progress. So um, he's talking about the word racist. So the quote is, racist is not, as Richard Spencer, who is a white supremacist, argues, a pejorative. It is not the worst word in the English language. It is not the equivalent of a slur. It is descriptive. And the only way to undo what is racist is to consistently identify and describe it and dismantle it. The attempt to turn this descriptive term into an almost unusable slur is, of course, designed to do the opposite, to freeze us into inaction. So the terms that we use, I think this is probably going to be a theme of the book, although I haven't gotten that far into it, is, I mean, we're a literary podcast, so and we have English degrees, so we know that the words that we use are very... important and meaningful and like things will be diluted and changed so much especially because of social media and everything being so quick that they completely lose their meaning and a lot of times that's completely intentional as he Mm -hmm. says like diluting the term racist to be like you just throw that word around as Richard Spencer Mm -hmm. would say um (sighs) I forgot how to say his name a fucking get this is so ridiculous Ibram Ibram? That is Abram. Doing it again. Ibram. Ibram? Ibram X. Kendi says uh, we want to reclaim that word racist and make it mean what it actually mm-hmm. means. And he talks about how like you could be anti-racist one moment and racist the next like it's not like a consistent mm-hmm. thing. And so like when you're using the term racist you're not like putting a sticker on someone's forehead and being like, you suck. It's like, it's a description. So those are just like some ideas that I've gotten so far from that. And that is the end of my self-improvement, societal improvement corner. (laughs) And this has been, what is the, oh gosh, now I forgot what the book is called. I was going to be like, and this is, (laughs) damn it. (laughs) It's it's how to be an anti-racist, correct? Yes. Okay. There we go. Oh my gosh. But yeah, my joke was going to be like, and this has been how to be an anti-racist with Haley. Not with me. No, I'm just, I'm just reading quotes. <laughs> so I am doing my best, but it's not for me. And we were, you started reading it in February. 
but this mm. will not come out in February. Yes, that is why. <laughs> so that's why we're doing this. Is that I was like, I want to find a book on anti-racism. It's Black History Month. I just want to find something. And so there was a video on TikTok that I saw with a bunch of wrecks, and it was in there. So I just started it, and it like didn't even have a wait list. Mm-hmm. So I just checked it out right away. I love you, Libby. Serendipitous. <laughs> you, you probably don't have any money, Libby, but I want you to sponsor us because um, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> if you don't know, yes. Libby is an app <laughs> <laughs> where you can connect your library card and listen to books or read books on your phone, and it's very convenient. There we go. So. Free clout, free clout for the girlies. Yeah, I will always <laughs> say that because of the Keeping <laughs> Records podcast. Shout out to them. Love I miss it. them. Um, but yeah, and I guess this is also a fact that we can extend our learning about anti-racism outside of Black History Month. We can yeah. do it all the time, folks. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I intend to. And I'm going to remember how to pronounce his name. And maybe next podcast I'll have <laughs> another couple of points from the book to share. All right. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Now, we're going to move forward and... To the main event. To the main event. The book uh, that I have read, this is actually my second read of it. I love it so much. It is called One Last Stop uh, by Casey McQuiston. Um, And (laughs) I was reading, like, some articles and some interviews, and some of the things that she said to, like, describe the book was magic subway lesbians. And I love that description so much. And she said that it was kind of inspired by Outlander. And if you don't really have any idea of what Outlander is, there is some, like, magical time travel through rocks. So it's great. Um, And One Last Stop was nominated for the Goodreads Choice Awards for the Best Romance Novel of 2021, where it placed third. And the book has also been placed sixth in the book page Top 10 Romance Novels of 2021. It is a good book, y'all. It's good. And thank you to Wikipedia for those stats. Casey McQuiston has two other books, both of which I have read and both of which I love. Uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue, I believe, was her like debut novel. And it's another new adult novel. So the characters are like college 20s age. And then she has another book. The most recent one is I Kiss Shara Wheeler, which is her first uh, young adult book. And I just love the way that she writes. It makes me feel like I'm watching a John Hughes movie only so much better and filled with queer characters who get happy endings. So the vibes are good. Good. Sounds sweet. It's it's so fun. And uh, some other sources that I used to like cobble together my plot, because even though this is the second time reading it, I didn't really write any notes down while I was reading it plot-wise. So cobbled together uh, with um, help from Earnestly Eccentric Blog and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And Trashy Books, (laughs) they have like a great review of the book. And they made a playlist uh, for one of the characters called Jane Sue's Mixtape, which I recommend. So uh, do they say Trashy Books because they're like chiclet or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and some of them are genuinely bad. (laughs) Okay. But they did like this book, so. Nice. Oh, taking a deep breath. 
All right. That's like, uh, so before you start, that reminds me of Worst Best Sellers, which is like women oh, yes. reading books that are really terrible, but occasionally yes. they like a book and it's like, okay, <laughs> you're a tough critic, so I believe you. Yeah. Occasionally a book be good. So moving to the characters, our main character, our ingenue is August Landry. Uh, her like nickname is Coffee Girl. Um, she's in her early 20s. And she's moved to New York to go to school. She's kind of spent her life hardening herself and trying to make herself believe that she relishes being alone. Uh, she was kind of a teenage sleuth, Veronica Mars-esque. Um, and it has just been her and her mom growing up. And they always haven't had a lot of money for things. And so August has kind of had to like scrape by and just rely on herself and her mom. She is bi, and she is a bi-con. <laughs> she is indecisive about a bunch of stuff, and again, she like tries to isolate herself and like make it through life by herself, but ultimately learns in this book that you, you, you can have friends, and it's good. And uh, two of the quotes that I picked out for her that kind of like give us an idea of who she is at the beginning of the book is... Truth is, when you spend your whole life alone, it's incredibly appealing to move somewhere big enough to get lost in, where being alone looks like a choice. And then the second is the older she's gotten, the more she prefers thinking of love as a hobby for other people, like rock climbing or knitting. Fine, enviable even, but she doesn't feel like investing in the equipment. (laughs) And I hardcore relate to a lot of the stuff that August says, for sure. Um, Me too. And then, like... Uh, the idea of being anonymous in a city just because you're like, well, everybody's kind of alone. I'm like, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, walking down the street and like nobody recognizing you, you like people in Portland dress terribly. They just do not care. And it's not necessarily just because it's a city. Like that's pretty unique to Portland, but it, there's yeah. a sense of freedom and anonymity. Yeah, exactly. It's Same so with nice. Tumblr. Tumblr. Yeah. Which Same I have thing. Recently gotten into. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I should do some tags for Lit in Love. Hmm, I'm going to get on that, bookmarking that in my brain. Um, and then the first character that she meets for like the gang in New York uh, is Nico Rivera. Um, when she first meets him, she describes him as a fake psychic who looks like he fronts an Arctic Monkeys cover band. And so many of the descriptions of Nico are so fun. Like, I think she describes him as Danny Zuko from Greece at one point. Like, he's a cool dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the beginning of the book, when I was reading it first, I was like, I either hope that he's, like, really terrible or really wonderful. And he ends up being really wonderful. Um, he is a really bad bartender and a psychic <laughs> part-time. <laughs> I love that. Oh, it's so good. I think I wrote in the book, I'm like, Haley would like this guy. <laughs> because yeah. he's always like making psychic jokes, like, mm, the spirit guides, I think that it'll be okay. Or like saying that the vibe wasn't off. And she was like, well, I thought we were going to order Chinese or something. He's like, mm, the vibe is off. <laughs> he's so funny. <laughs> and then something that August says about him is like, Nico Rivera, Fates Enforcer since 1995. Oh, it's set in modern day, right? Just checking. Yes. So yeah. this book 
technically would be set in 2019. And okay. in, in Casey McQuiston's universe, uh, oh, in the universe, like 2020 is not a shit show if that doesn't happen. <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> yep, right? It's like, so red, white, and royal blue. I don't want to talk about it too much. I do love it, but it is kind of like an escapist narrative for Mm -hmm. like the Trump election. Mm -hmm. It's it's very good. I cried when I read it. Um. (laughs) This is a very political episode and I love that for us. That's Um. great. I almost said we're politics. (laughs) We're politics. We're all politics and politics is in all of us. So... (laughs) It is what it is, baby. Ugh, baby. Um, but yeah, so Nico is great, and he is trans, and the way that it is revealed is just so, like, nicely done. Uh, I'm going to actually read it, because I thought it was just so sweet. Okay, give me one second. I did mark all of these things. Okay. My eye is twitching. Oh, no. Your eye? Is it, what are you stressed about? Uh, I think <laughs> it was everything? setting up the... I think it was setting up the video recording and then forgetting how to pronounce the author of the book I'm reading's name, like, twice. Uh, deep breaths. Deep breaths. Um, okay. Here, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Okay. Here we go. Um, so they're looking at photos of all the people in the apartment on the fridge. Uh, okay. And a photo of a child August can't quite place... Long hair topped with a pink bow, pouting in a Cinderella dress as Disney World glows in the background. Who's this? August asks. Nico follows her finger and smiles softly. Oh, that's me. August looks at him, his sharp eyebrows and steady presence and slim cut jeans, and well, she did wonder. She's habitually observant, though she does try to never assume with things like this. But an aggressive kind of warmth rushes into her and she smiles back. Oh, cool. I was like, this is so... Nice. <laughs> that is nice. Yeah. Ugh. I just want to say, I feel like I've seen a fair amount of trans, like, outings done really poorly in media. Yeah. 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 So. And they're always, like, not to say that people are not having, like, traumatic moments. Right. But a lot of them are traumatic and sad and, like, angry or, like, pointing out something that's wrong this is just like a oh cool another fact about them yeah i think just queer stories without like mega trauma dump like they're not used trash to heap <laughs> show i think that's that's nice and i think yeah. there should be so much more of that either background characters or main characters i agree i agree and then him and Myla are like an amazing couple and she's the next character. She is the most fun. Um, she is an artist who has a degree in electrical engineering. So, so she's their like STEM babe. She cool. works at a repair shop in the city and she's always working on like weird sculptures in her room. <laughs> um, <laughs> like... I feel like something has to do with, like, bugs and, like, chicken bones. There's, like, a, bu- a bunch of weird things in the apartment that make it, like, quirky and charming. And some of the quotes I picked out for her, uh, this is a uh, discussion between um, August and Mila. August goes, I can't decide if I'm impressed or horrified. 
And Myla says, that's my favorite emotional place. That's where Horny lives. (laughs) (laughs) She's so funny. Um, And then something that August like says about Myla, which I think is just like speaks to her character. Uh, The thing about Myla, August is learning, is that she doesn't plant the seed of friendship and tend to it with a gentle watering and sunlight. She drops into your life fully formed and just is a friend in completion. Like she becomes friends with August and then immediately treats her like they have been friends for years. And like there's no awkwardness. She invites her to things and like talks to her in the way that is so comfortable. It's like so nice. So that reminds me of the character in uh, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which we just did an episode on. And what what was their name? Angela or something like that? The artist? Also an artist. Oh, oh, I don't remember what her name was. Angie, maybe. But she is the artist girlfriend of Addie LaRue. And uh, she is just warm and open to everyone and we both said like we really admire that quality in a person it's i feel like it really takes a self-assured person to be that way yeah so she's very cool um and like she of course august is the main character so like all of the other characters are always like dropping these little like wisdom bombs on her but like (laughs) myla said in one of the things she's like Oh, we're in self-pity mode? I can't help you with that. Good luck, though. <laughs> like, so, so, like, she knows when she can help and when August needs to, like, do things by herself. Mm. Tough so love sometimes. It, right? It's so good. Also, I love books that are, like, character... The characters are, like, really fun and driven, so I, like, highlighted so much in this book, and that's why I have so many, like, quotes that I can nice. find. They're fun. What is the last one? Oh, the last one I think that you would enjoy. Um, Myla says, maybe you're not meant to be. Love at first, or maybe you're meant to be. Love at first sight. It happened to me. August goes, I don't accept that as a hypothesis. That's because you're a Virgo. I thought you said virginity was a construct. A Virgo, you fucking Virgo nightmare. All of this, (laughs) and you still don't believe in things. Typical Virgo bullshit. True. (laughs) Ah, so good. And I just want to tell the audience that Mariah has a Virgo moon. So I'm <laughs> just going to out you, put you on blast. <laughs> so August is my buddy. Yeah. Um, and then the next character that lives in the uh, apartment is Wes. And per Nico, he describes him as that twink contains multitudes. <laughs> um, it reminds me of the like, our quote, twinks heal, safety guaranteed. Um, yeah, I so, don't know what that was. I don't know but either, I... but it's stuck in my brain. <laughs> Twinks heal. Twinks heal. Thanks for your service, Twinks. Um, he came from money, and he went to school for architecture, but it like wasn't what he wanted to do, and it was too much family pressure. So he quit, and his family completely cut him off because they're like very wealthy and about appearances. So he became a seriously repressed tattoo artist. Uh, He bakes and he deflects and he's in love with another character, Isaiah, but he doesn't think he's good enough for him. Mm -hmm. He's got like, he's got a lot of self self worth issues. He eventually opens up. Uh, There's a really nice scene with him in August, like on the balcony where they talk about their feelings. It's very good. And him and August, like conversations are usually very like 
sarcastic and uh, biting, and I love them. And then we get to the love interest. Her name is uh, Jane, and now I'm realizing that I don't do any preparation looking up pronunciations. I should look up if it's B-U, if I'm correct, because that's her, like, original name, B-U, but everybody calls her Jane. I think that's fine. You just Google it. This is basically just for fun, so. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Putting us, or taking us off the hook for pronunciations. Yeah. Um, So she's one of the, like, coolest characters that I've ever read uh august calls her subway girl she's the resident bad girl of the q train uh she (laughs) wears she wears a signature leather jacket uh and at first it just seems like she is a cool girl that august likes uh but then we learn that she's literally a punk rock lesbian from the 70s who riots and falls in love all the time and who's romantic as fuck okay like she she one example she calls in radio songs to play to august like she'll call them in and then text august to be like hey tune into this radio station and it'll be a love song it's grand gestures the old school meets the new school yes yes does she have an outrageous hairdo like does she have a buzzed hair head i think that she's just got short like that it's like short black hair um, I think she's like very nice. she's like very butch. She's got like the converse and like the leather jacket and short okay. hair and like a little backpack and like okay. a smirk. I'm picturing <laughs> I'm completely picturing like Asian Asian Joan Jet basically. Yes. Yes, 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 exactly. She is Chinese American from San Francisco. Chinese, okay. Um cool. and she grew up in a family of like several sisters and she ended up leaving them behind without like saying goodbye and she's like traveled a lot in her life like moving different places and she was involved in like like she's a she's not afraid to like fight for like queer rights and she's been in like actual riots etc she's very badass was she at stonewall i don't remember I feel like she was, but I don't That's remember okay. if she specifically was. Because they only, in the book, I'll yeah, get to it in a little bit, they do mention this, like, really terrible thing that happened in New Orleans because she was there. So we will get to it. Um, and then at the restaurant where August ends up working, there's Winfield, who is a uh, waiter. He's very kind. He's also a drag queen. And from the descriptions, he seems very glorious to behold in real life. <laughs> He's got like a glitter beard. Very cool. I uh, In one of the performances, uh, Winfield takes the stage in a magenta beard and performs an elaborate socialism themed number set to a mix of she works hard for the money and clips from AOC speeches. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Go with um, And then there's Jerry, who is, I couldn't really remember a lot about him other than he's the, they described him as the world's oldest fry cook at Billy's. So just an old man <laughs> <laughs> frying up stuff. Um, but that's it. Yep. What else do you need? And he, he did know Jane in the 70s when he was a young man. Um, and then there's Lucy, who is the manager of Billy's. She is Czech and no nonsense, 
but she does care about people. Like she makes sure August eats when she's working because August gets really stressed and busy. Uh, her and Winfield are discovered to be dating and uh, Lucy is a very good project manager. Like no matter what's happening, she can be organized and get people jobs to do. Ever go. She, I, I don't, I don't know what Lucy, I don't think they, I think they only describe like the gang. Yeah. But maybe Capricorn. Yeah. Yeah. I say yes. I don't, I can, I remember mine and that's literally it. I have to Google yours every single time. It's okay. You, you know my sun sign though, right? Like my main one? No, you know, I like have to Google it. Sign? I have to Google it every time because I'm like, is it Sagittarius or is it Scorpio? No. Mariah, that's not excusable. You you should at least know my sun sign. Uh, I have you know it what? in a note. It's okay. Scorpio, scorpion. I have, I'm a scorpion. I have a tail. I sting people. A scorpion, that's, scorpion. That's my thing. All right. Also... I am on the Google Doc, so I don't know what you look like. So I don't know, like, I couldn't oh, see the disappointment in your face. So that's probably good for me. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm smiling because I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> um, and then the next character is Isaiah, who is, like, a really awesome drag queen who goes by the name Annie Depressant. Um <laughs> And he lives, he's the neighbor of the, like, group of people, like, August, Nico, Myla, and Wes. Um, and he is really great. He has a drag brunch that gets wild. And he also is in love with Wes, but knows that Wes, like, can't meet him where he is right now and just accepts it. He's very wise. Okay, so Wes is the repressed tattoo artist. Yes. Who, yeah, okay. Yes, okay. it's yes. So, like, they're in love. So, but Wes is but like... But they're not saying it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and he, off, like you said, he offers wisdom to August because everybody does. Um, <laughs> and then uh, August's mom, Suzette Landry. Uh, two quotes that I feel like will just get her in the nutshell. Something, Two things she says to August over the phone. Rule number one, us versus everyone. Rule number two, if they're going to kill you, get their DNA under your fingernails. Hi. Right? And then second one, uh, they were talking about August used to watch Say Anything over and over again. They were kind of like talking about that. And she said, you got a soft heart, kid. I used to worry that you'd get hurt, but you surprised me. You grew out of it. You're like me. You don't need anyone. Remember that. Whew. Right? <laughs> it's, that's uh, rough. It's uh, pretty rough. And so that's where August yeah. is coming from. It's just been her and her mom her entire life. Yeah. I I really appreciate that that detail, yeah. that like background character from her childhood because it's important. Well, is her mom like a main part of the story, or is that more to like establish who her August mom is? Kind of like comes in and out of the story because okay. she's talking to her on the phone, and there's this like plot line that involves her mom. Okay. So. But yeah, that definitely paints a picture of, of why August is the way she is, exactly. and like our. Pa- our parents definitely do that to us. Like it's when you're a child, the things that your parents tell you, you take as gospel. Yeah. So. And, and the fact that August, um, I think that she, like her mom didn't get married. I think it was like artificial insemination. So she doesn't have another parent. She mm-hmm. doesn't have contact with her mom's parents and she has no friends. So it's literally wow. just her and her mom. 
So very codependent relationship. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It's a little yeah. intense. Um, and then Augie Landry, who probably August was named after, uh, was August's uncle, who her and her mother have spent basically August's entire life trying to find. I'll get a little bit more into that, but he's like a minor character. And then lastly, where August works, it's called Pancake Billy's House of Pancakes. <laughs> and <laughs> it's a character in itself. It's the place where Milo, Wes, and Nico have like, been regulars every Thursday night. It's a 24-hour establishment. Uh, August ends up working here. Jane worked here in the past. They all rally around the restaurant to save it. Earlier in the book, August says that it's like magic. It's like a special place. Cool. It sounds fun. It also sounds like it's... I wish that I had like a place. I don't have a place (laughs) that is mine that is like a restaurant or a coffee shop or something. But it sounds nice. Yeah. I, I have a local coffee shop, but we kind of have one, like, wherever we are, mm-hmm. you know? Like, there's yeah. nothing that I'm, like, really dedicated to. Yeah. No one knows That's me cool. there. That's a goal of mine. No one knows you? No, to, like, to the, where they, they know me and they're like, Mariah's here. Do you oh. want your regular drink or whatever? Yeah. Well, do you know why, Mariah? Why? Because sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. So... <laughs> Yes. Cheers to that. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. With your haritos. Yes. Um, okay. Moving to the plot. I'll get to those two things. Um, and so I did organize it a little bit better for when I first wrote it because I wrote a note. Forgive my jumbly plot. But there are a lot of details and I highly recommend reading this book. Uh, so first, two things uh, so I don't forget. Most of the chapters start with like a little one page blurb about like either like a newspaper clipping or like a post on the internet related to a girl on the subway who we assume to be Jane in later chapters Mm -hmm. or like various events that have happened during like Jane's time or Augie's or things that add to the current storyline. It's very fun. Like one of them is like Craigslist, like misconnections, like talking about Jane being like a wonderful person and like, you were wearing a red scarf and a leather jacket. I would love to meet you again. Like those type of things. It's it's fun once you like get into the middle of the book and you're like, oh, they're talking about Jane. So that's cool. Cute. And then second is that thing. So Suzette and August have been working on trying to find Suzette's brother, Augie, who stopped writing to her in 1973. Augie was a lot older than Suzette. So Suzette was probably like in grade school when he was in his early 20s. And she, she was pretty young and she didn't really understand why her parents were like upset at Augie, didn't want her to talk to him, etc. And then she stopped getting his letters. So, but basically this has been the thing that Suzette and August have been working on her entire life. And when she moved to New York, she kind of told her mom, or maybe a little bit before, that she doesn't really want to be involved anymore or consumed with the case. She kind of wants to let it go. But Suzette can't let it go and talks about it almost every time she talks to August on the phone and even sends her like folders of evidence to help her with that August mostly ignores until it like comes to a head. So that's kind of like backstory. It does come back. In the beginning, August moves to New York for like a fresh start and to finish her college degree. Uh, She ends up answering an ad for a roommate in Brooklyn 
the ad was must be queer and trans friendly must not be afraid of fire or dogs no libras we already have one call nico oh my god can you imagine being desperate for an apartment and someone's like your sun sign disqualifies you i would be so upset august uh couldn't really be picky yeah because she was like i need to find a place really quick and school is starting right and the rent is pretty cheap she is skeptical skeptical and i don't think she really right. believes or really like puts a lot of stock in astrology she's just like right. whatever we'll just go well, um, and so she's she first... luckily not a libra so it all works exactly out. it's per- it works out uh, she meets Nico, who is a psychic, and he, like, guesses her favorite flowers. Um, and she, like, doesn't come to the city thinking that anything is going to change. Like, she's not going to, like, she's not looking for friends, but she mm-hmm. finds a found family. So, like, <laughs> they become her family, and it's very nice. Um, so they drag her to Billy's, uh, where they go every Thursday night, and Mila lies her way she lies August's way into getting a waitressing job at Billy so she can pay the rent, despite August never having waitressed before. So that's a stressful thing for August. I don't yeah. have to pretend that she knows what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Lucy knows that she hasn't waitressed before. Like, she can tell, but she's like, whatever, this kid needs a job. That's nice. Um, Lucy's great. Um, and... On the first day of school, August ends up spilling coffee all over herself. And in a show of courage, she still ends up braving the queue to get to class instead of crawling back into bed, which is maybe what I would have done. (laughs) Mm. Um, Yeah, me too. She meets a very cool girl on the subway wearing a leather jacket who offers her her red scarf to cover up the coffee (laughs) spill. They flirt a little bit. And then August, like me, and every other hopeless romantic would, plans her life around commuting at a time and on the train where a subway girl might be. (laughs) So she's like, (laughs) I gotta be on the queue. So August is both like, I don't need anybody, and also like, I want to be in love. Yes, yes, both. She just can't help herself. Hopeless, you might say. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) She's like... And I think that part of her is that she's trying to deny what she's doing, but she knows that she's doing because she's very smart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, it's like yeah. a war in her brain. Um, so she keeps seeing Subway Girl, who she then learns is Jane. They, like, bond. And one time the subway car stops, like, it's uh, out of service for a little bit. And they end up, like, getting everybody to dance in the subway car and Jane is just very charismatic and like effortless, effortlessly cool. And August does eventually ask her to get drinks, uh, to which Jane replies that she doesn't think that she can. This like mortifies August because it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, oh, I can't do it tonight or maybe we could do it another time. It was a, I don't think that I can. And so Jane was like, or August was like, uh mortified and she why did i even try literally never gonna talk again she avoids the queue for like a little bit of time and like nico senses it (laughs) nico's like hey you should try again um (laughs) she does end up going back in the queue they meet again and i think it's like after august has come from work so she smells like pancakes and August is like, oh, yeah, I work at Billy's. And Jane's like, oh, I used to work there. And Jane kind of, like, 
throws out another line being like, oh, you should come visit me sometime. This is when I work. And Jane does not show up, which is upsetting for August. She's like, man, she's so cool. And I am trying, but it's not working. Yeah. But while all this flirting is going on on the subway, she's becoming better friends with her roommates and working at Billy's. And even though she's there to get her degree, there's literally no information about like her classes, her classmates, her homework. We just know she's in college. <laughs> and she's very smart, so she's probably getting by fine. Um, One of those, yeah. Yeah. I get it. And I'm like, I guess there's so much happening, you can only put so much yeah. different things. So It's like Pretty Little Liars. Like, where are they yeah. going to fit in class? <laughs> Going to school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but... You, she, like, learned some backstories, like how Mila has an electric engineering degree but chooses to, like, repair electronics downtown and how Wes became to be cut off from his family, his hang-ups. She meets Isaiah and his drag persona. They go to a place called Delilah's, and there's, like, a really great drag show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just the descriptions of it, it sounds like so much fun to be at. Nice. Oh, so what do they got going on? So antidepressant, uh, <laughs> oh gosh, I'm trying to remember what she was wearing. It was like really tall, like pink boots with like red garters and like a really long pink wig. Nice. Um, they, they were doing like a, a holidays themed show. Mm. So like each queen had a different uh, holiday. Oh, fun. <laughs> and, so, and they were like picking out some obscure ones. Like some of them would be like, it's Earth Day, bitch. It was um it would be a really fun movie because there's so much there's so many fun things that happen yeah there's a lot of good uh visuals that i'm getting yes like from the pancake house too and from the leather jacket joan jett type yeah a lot of yeah a lot of good little details um and so through august conversation with jane Sometimes Jane, like, doesn't get references or she talks in, like, a dated way. And August kind of brushes this off. But it's not until August sees a picture of Jane on the wall at Billy's and the date is in the 1970s. And she looks exactly the same. The shining moment. Right, yeah. (laughs) Get into it. Um, So she asked Jerry, the really old fry cook, and who says he doesn't remember her? So then August is like, all right, fine. I have to do this for myself. So she goes back to Jane. They realize that she's stuck in time, stuck on the subway. She can't leave the subway. And she can't remember her past or how she got there. Jeez. So she's just like, yeah, she's just like stuck on the queue line. Like August has tried to go on like different trains. Um, and she wasn't there. Like it's specifically like this. And um, this is where August's, like, teen sleuthing days come in handy. Mm -hmm. So she starts looking at Jane's predicament like a case. And she first tries to start with uh, getting her to remember stuff. So she starts trying to figure out, like, what was her coffee and bagel order? Every New Yorker has a coffee and bagel order. So she brings her a bunch of different variations to try and, like, get her to remember. And each time it's something that Jane's ha- Jane had before, there'll be some, like, memories attached. Mm. So she keeps bringing her food. She plays her music to try and get her to remember. And then she even suggests kissing <laughs> for research to bring back memories. 
of Jane's past girlfriend. I love kissing for research. Yes. <laughs> kissing for research. Uh, August is totally in love with Jane at this point, and this is almost a version of like the fake dating trope, like pretending she doesn't have feelings <laughs> while kissing and doing all the things that girlfriends would do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and also all of the gang is like in on helping her figure this out. So Nico conducts conducts. <laughs> Conduction, dunction. <laughs> What's your function? <laughs> Nico conducts a seance to make sure that Jane is not a ghost, which she is not because she doesn't show up. And so, like, the whole apartment is part of the case and speculation. I've always um, wanted to do a seance, by the way. Open invitation. <laughs> Sounds fun. Who would we try to contact? Oh, anyone. I don't know. Oh. Any old any old dead person. <laughs> any old dead person will do. Yeah. They don't have to be famous. Okay. Well, probably they would show up, right, if they weren't famous? Because I feel like famous people, like, people are always trying to contact them. Yeah, I'm booked and busy in the afterlife. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Take a number. <laughs> uh, um, so... They do that, and they're like, no, she's not a ghost. And so August is keeping, like, multiple notebooks filled with Jane's memories and all her stories. And she keeps a little uh, sex notebook when Jane describes, like, because she's kissing August in the ways that she kissed other people. Like, they'll try, like, different ways. And so, like, (laughs) August makes notes of these things. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Because she is so far gone for her. It's, uh. Which, again, Nico continues to comment on. He can, like, he's like, I feel like you're feeling a lot of feelings right now. <laughs> Ugh. And there are, like, so many jokes about August hooking up with a ghost or a phantom. Uh, like, <laughs> oh, gosh. Mila says something. Okay, it's 328. I'm going to read it so I don't butcher it. butcher it. It's really funny. 328. We all wanted to be with Danny Phantom at one point. <laughs> he was great. Yeah. Um, okay, so they're like arguing, and then Mila's comeback is says the woman getting subway head from a revenant. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and, then, and then Nico's like, the heart wants what it wants, August. <laughs> so there are a bunch of those jokes. Like Wes makes them too. There subway it's head. Does that happen? They they do have sex on the subway. I don't know why oh I whispered god. that into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> get a Adventures. megaphone hey guys they did it <laughs> that's uh, a go, sorry no go 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 oh someone from dropout did that that's all i was gonna say but it was i think it was a fairy jess and her girlfriend oh yes yes yeah. yes i can't that's too dirty <laughs> yeah no public Places, no, no, no. no. Thank you. It doesn't appeal to me at this time. But good for them. Um, yeah, good for them. Uh, <laughs> and so August even buys Jane a cell phone so they can like call and text each other to like make sure because in the beginning Jane like doesn't know where she goes when August isn't there. It's almost like August is a catalyst, oh. and so she gets her a cell phone so she can like talk to her so she's on the train and she's more present. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so that's what, like, Jane is a big old romantic and calls in songs to the radio station and texts August to listen in. And one little fun detail is it reminded me of New Girl and True American. Um, The apartment has a game called Rolly Bangs, which is literally somebody sits in a desk, a rolling desk chair, and there's this, like, big, like, bump in the hardwood floor, and they, like, push them in the rolly chair as hard as they can. And the farthest that you get without the rolly chair is like whoever's the winner. <laughs> it's like strictly a game that you would play in your early 20s when you're not really afraid of getting injured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. For sure. Um, it, it reminds you lose me a tooth American. that way. Oh, for it's sure. Pure stupidity. Yeah. I mean, I. I, I was just like, I can't. I don't know if I've told this story on here, but I did that with someone's child when I was babysitting. I didn't shove her away. But <laughs> she <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> how, was... how, how old was the child? <laughs> I feel like that's important. I think she was like five and she was sitting. Okay, they're... Their bones are rubbery. It's yeah, fine. like old enough to be like push me. Like pu-. she wanted me to spin her in, in like a desk chair, like spin. Mm-hmm. So I was, she was like spin me. And I was like sure, because like you have so many hours to kill, and they only have yes. one nap time. So yeah. I'm spinning her, and she like whoop and <laughs> top heavy, big head child flops onto the floor and I'm like okay we're done with that game (laughs) you're good though you're so good yay and then immediately distract her with something else so that she doesn't tell her parents there you go yeah worked out worked out love it why is it really bangs is it bang because you hit the floor bang I think I think so like the child hit the floor bang okay (laughs) like the child hit the floor um (laughs) Um, okay. <laughs> so, back to Isaiah. So he has, like, a yearly tradition Easter drag brunch. Um, and the party, it's just another fun party that, like, spills out into the hallways. And August goes, and she gets a little bit tipsy, and she misses Jane. Like, she wishes oh, no. Jane could be there. Oh, so okay. she calls she calls Jane on the phone and puts her in her pocket so like Jane's oh, there. That's it's sweet. so sweet. And then Jane, I think, says that she wishes she could be there for real. And so everybody, the party travels to her on the queue train. Like they wow. bring everything that they can and they're all like on the queue. It's just so magical. So that's interesting. So she's stuck on the queue. Anyone who's on the queue with her can see her, right? So, yes and no. Um, there's a, I think they were talking about it. Myla says that she tried to go see Jane before she had been introduced to her by August, and Myla couldn't mm-hmm. find her. Once okay. August introduced her, then Myla could see her on the train and like on sit with Nico and Wes. Yeah. Okay. So, August. So, the again, catalyst, August like he's like, like. Yeah, it's August. And so. And now that she's, like, more present, like, other people can see her on the train. Like, she does have interactions with other people. But if you're, like, going to try and find her, you have to know that she's there. Okay. And so after everyone kind of, like, leaves after this Q train party, uh, Jane and August, like, kiss for real. 
and they admit their feelings for each other. And I'm pretty sure that they have sex on the subway that time. All right. <laughs> Go girls. <laughs> um, and, and I'm pretty, I don't remember if it's this time or if it's another time, but like during this, the subway like loses power. The lights go out while they are mm-hmm. getting steamy. That would kill the moment for me personally. <laughs> um, after this win for August romantically, she is hit with two pieces of bad news. First, Pancake Billy's House of Pancakes is set to close due to gentrification and rent increase. Mm. Billy just can't afford the rent. And then the second bad news thing is that the queue is going to be closing for repairs. So Myla points out that this could be detrimental to Jane because she seems to be connected to the train and electricity. And then that brings it back to the power goes out. And so it's like (laughs) Jane was so horny that she took out the lights. (laughs) (laughs) Is that okay? (laughs) So that's what they're like theorizing. And her uh, electronics don't need batteries or to be charged. Like she has this cassette player that doesn't have batteries in it. And she's been like listening to it. So she's like somehow connected to like Mm -hmm. the power of the train and electricity. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, because Myla is their like STEM expert, uh, she theorizes that a power surge on the train caused Jane to disappear. And I'm pretty sure... I can cut this out if it's not true, but I'm pretty sure it's the time of the New York blackouts. Um, and Present day uh, or in the 70s? In the 70s. Yeah, in the 70s. Um, I, don't, I, I don't remember. I can only think of the musical about the blackouts. 1977 um, blackout in New York. Yeah. Okay. From July 13th to 14th. It was a whole day. Okay. Whoa. Maybe it was then. That would be terrible. But basically there was a power surge and that if they could recreate the power surge, then maybe they could bring Jane back into like, corp- like bring her back into being or at least send her back to her place mm-hmm. in time. Yes. Classic sci-fi math. Yeah. And so August also like prompts Jane to remember her like last day, uh, like how she kind of ended and was in the subway. So she was saving jerry the fry cook from the tracks he was drunk and he like fell so she like saved him and then she went back to go get her bag when the power surge happened so she was like on the line oh wow so that's like the power surge like took her with him august comes up because august is a planner as well she comes up with this grand plan to save both billy's and jane they will throw a huge pancake drag show fundraiser to raise the funds to buy the building that billy's is in Obviously. And, of course, uh, all of the gang, like, pitches in with their own talents. Mila brings her art friends, and they have art installations. Nice. Uh, Nico brings his psychic friends. There are psychic readings and his bartender friends. And uh, Wes brings his tattoo artist friends, and they give out flash tattoos. Nice. Uh, he bakes, like, bakery things. They get all their drag queen friends to come perform. Pancakes are there. It's like a huge operation. The pancakes are there. Oh, <laughs> everybody's there. Uh, yeah, Jerry and Winfield and August are like in charge of uh, pancakes and making sure that everybody has enough pancakes. Love it. Um, and then because the fundraiser grows too big for their original venue, they decide to have the party in the Transit Power Control Center because uh, Mila used to date a guy who works with like the MTA. 
and she uh, <laughs> like flirts with him to get the key like, oh to get all this stuff. And I'm gonna read this conversation, like points from it, because it was really funny about like going to meet him, because she's he's like an ex that she broke up with on the spot to be with Nico. Oh my gosh, that's rough. Uh, don't feel too bad for him. He's kind of terrible. Um, well, I mean, it's rough for her because now she's got to. Oh, yes. Now she's got to pretend. Humble herself. Okay. So Mila's like, I'm the one who got away. And August is like, I'm going with you. This could be a ploy to get you alone so he can exact a bloody revenge. Oh. <laughs> and Mila's like, okay, Dateline, reel it in. <laughs> Love the instinctive mistrust of a cis straight white man, white man, but Gabe is harmless. Um, and then. She was, Milo was like, we all make mistakes when we're young. Mine just happens to be a six foot three and look exactly like Leonardo DiCaprio. And August goes, Revenant or Inception? <laughs> and then, and then Milo's like, you really got me fucked up if you think I'd settle for anything less than Romeo and Juliet. I was like, okay. Milo is great. Six three, look, twink Leonardo Leo is DiCaprio. hard to picture. Right? For me. Just a tall, skinny man with a pretty face, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whose name is Gabe. Um, so, basically, the gang plans a heist to redo the power surge to get Jane either back to the 1970s or that so that she's, like, corporeal in real time in this time. Corporeal. And corporeal. Because, like, she can't leave the subway. If she tries to go out the doors, she disappears and, like, shows up back in the subway. Okay, gotcha. And then, in the midst of all of this, August learns that the grandparents that her mother said were not involved in August's life because they didn't want to be had passed away, that they had paid her school tuition when she was younger, and that they had left her with money when they died. Wow. And August kind of gets mad at her mom, being like, what do you mean like they paid for my tuition like we didn't have any money when I was growing up and then I amassed all this debt for college and you're saying that they maybe would have helped yeah her mom her mom obviously has all these hang-ups about her parents like they were kind of terrible people but she didn't let August make her own decisions about them yeah and so she gets really mad at her mom and kind of like is like, I'm not going to talk to you right now. I'll call you when I'm ready to talk to you again. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is the moment that I talked about her and Wes having a very, like, tender moment talking about family expectations and letting people in and feeling good enough. Like, it was a – they have good – they had a good character okay. interaction after this. So my question is this. Mm-hmm. Where is that money? Do we know yet? So it's, like, um, the lawyers are, like, gonna in the process of getting it to her. Okay. Uh, they have to like write her a check. So, but yeah, August, like in that moment, I just felt so bad. Like, it's like deflating when you learn that news. And like, August is like, yeah. I had like, like everything that we had was like super cheap. We had to move all of the time. And then her mom was like, well, it costs a lot of money to like run the type of investigation we were running. And like, August is just like, everything has been about your brother who disappeared. And it's been like so long and I'm here. It was a lot. Yes. Yeah. You have to put your kid first. That's the rule. Yeah. So Suzette needs some therapy. <laughs> okay. Where were we? Where were we? Where were we? Okay. It's Before... an interesting. 
sorry. No, keep going, keep going. I'm really throwing this conversation off the rails. It's eh, off the rails. <laughs> um, no, I was just going to say it's it's interesting that like even people that choose to have kids like with, uh, we'll just say like non-traditional methods and people can fill in the blanks, uh, but they still will do things that are just so selfish all the time because yeah. all people will do selfish oh. things and not put their kids first. Even if they're yeah. like, I'm bringing you into the world, no matter what, I want to have kids. It's like, you brought this kid into the world and then you mistreated them and they didn't ask for that. Yeah. They didn't ask to be here. You yeah. brought them here. Yeah. yeah. And another thing I forgot to mention at the beginning. So when August and her mom, I think lived in, I don't remember if it was New Orleans, but they moved around a lot. And one of the places she lived in when they were younger, when she was younger, flooded and they lost all of their stuff. Mm. Like nothing was saved except for like a box of files for the investigation. And so when August arrives in New York, she like has barely any uh, personal items or like any stuff because she doesn't want to be attached to things she can lose. Mm. And I was like, oh, August. Yeah. No. So that's sad. That's sad. Yeah. Um, she does end up like collecting. It becomes a home. She gets like a real bed. It's good. She had like an air mattress for the beginning. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, before so before the party fundraiser and before the heist, Jane and August kind of have a fight, and I think it's because Jane is kind of afraid about how scary the situation is for her, and like kind of how hard it is for her to exist in this place. Uh, Jane is like. Jane says it's like she died, but she can feel it. And she knows that everybody got to go on living without her. And there were some people that she never got to talk to again, that just she disappeared from their life. Uh, And so she's like feeling really kind of upset. And there's like a moment that they have where Jane is like, I feel this way because of you. And it's like, yes, August did make her like help her remember all of these things and it's not that she wishes it could go back it's just that it's mm-hmm. really hard for her to kind of like wrap her brain around this yeah so it's like giving Jane a little bit more of like a personality making her a little bit more real she's not just mm-hmm. this cool person that August like is infatuated with because uh, we don't really get to have any um chapters from Jane's point of view so this is kind of like our connection when she like is really emotional about stuff yeah like she had kind of just been swept up in the romance and then she's like okay this is like getting really real yeah this is really difficult um but they do have some like they make up after like a couple of weeks like Jane they have this argument and August like doesn't go on the queue for a while and but she's still working on all of this like fundraising and high stuff they just don't talk because it's been a fight and i'm pretty sure that uh jane like texts her like listen to the radio and it's like an i'm sorry song it's, it's demi sweet. lovato's sorry not sorry Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember most of the songs that she recommends i just remember one at the end um but they do also have some, like, once they reconcile, they have some, like, really tender moments about how much they love each other and how they're accepting that Jane might get sent back to the past Ugh. and August might not see her again. Yeah. Um, and they're some of the most beautiful declarations of love I've ever read. I will read them at the end, like, in the ship section. But they nice. make me cry. <laughs> 
Love that. It's so beautiful. Uh, and Jane sees August's pocket knife. That's one thing about August. She's always carrying this little pocket knife, mm-hmm. uh, which used to belong to Augie, her uncle. And once Jane sees it, she remembers that Augie was one of her roommates. <gasps> and she thought he died in this terrible fire at a gay club that he worked at called the Upstairs Lounge, which is an actual real and heartbreaking event that happened. Uh, I looked it up on Wikipedia, and if you're going to look it up, just a lot of the articles have really upsetting pictures. Uh, So, like, be careful when you're looking it up. Wikipedia doesn't have that many pictures, and it gives you, like, kind of a brief thing about it, but it was really sad. It was really sad that it happened, and it was really sad about the aftermath of what happened. Um, Like... Like, inter- like reporters were interviewing people that had their backs turned to the camera because the news like outlets didn't want to be shown like supporting a homosexual lifestyle and stuff like um, that and like but a bunch of news outlets like didn't report on it or like made yeah. like jokes like about it uh, and a bunch of people didn't come forward to like uh, recognize bodies or like oh, yeah. bury it, it's just it was just really sad so just warning you about that it's like a piece of real history that's yeah. it um, Jane thought that he died in this fire and then she was like I gotta leave I'm gonna leave New Orleans I don't want to be here anymore I'm really sad um, and she got a postcard from uh, Augie saying that he was alive and that he had moved to California he like just left he was like feeling very like I didn't I survived this thing like I didn't stay late at work or whatever and he like escaped and so he was like you should come to California you should come to California and come back to San Francisco we'll like take care of each other like all this stuff so she was going to leave New Orleans and go to San Francisco and that's when she got stuck on the tracks okay. Yeah, real sad. And so Jane was able to solve this mystery that's literally been hanging over August her entire life. So that's a cool tidbit that happens. And they do end up being successful, successful in recreating the power surge. And Jane disappears. And it's like, oh, Uh. it's crushing. It's very sad. Uh, August obviously is like, I have to keep going. Like, life keeps going. There's, I have to work. I have to pay rent. I have to finish. I'm graduating. All of this stuff. Uh, Billy's is almost to the fundraising goal and with the information that Augie didn't die in the upstairs fire but moved to California with a boyfriend but he did end up getting in a car accident um so she doesn't get to meet him I know she doesn't get to meet him but she ended up talking to the boyfriend and he said that he was always writing his little sister letters but she just stopped replying to them uh, and so it's assumed that his parents intercepted the letters and didn't let her see them. Okay. Why I oughta. Yeah. So, like, her grandparents are bad people, but, like, <laughs> her mom should have let her take their money. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, I fully endorse I don't that. I understand. Yeah. So, August obviously reconciles with her mom a little bit to let her know that this has happened. They're like not on the best terms, but they're like getting through it. And then three months after she disappears, Jane reappears as if no time has passed, like for her. And uh, the quote was August ran like across the room to go see her. And then the text was her girl. She came back. 
It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And her and August are fully in love, and it's beautiful. They have sex in August's bed and not on the subway, which is great <laughs> for both of them. <laughs> love that. Uh, love that for them. And at the end of the book, they are planning a summer road trip to meet August's mom to pick up pick up some of Augie's things from California and to see Jane's family. So it's just like a beautiful, magical, happy ending. Nico yeah. and Mila get engaged during the heist, which was the heist was very fun. August like downloaded this app so they could all talk to each other like Mission Impossible style. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna read that quote. The proposal because it's actually pretty funny because nice. it's when she's trying to flirt with Gabe so she can get something from him <laughs> okay Myla says Nico everything I'm about to say to this guy is a complete and total lie and I love you and will marry you and adopt a hundred three-eyed ravens or whatever it is your weird ass wants instead of kids <laughs> and Cute. Nico was like did you just propose to me and she's like ah I guess I did and he was like I am so <laughs> mad at you I have a ring at home aww uh, adorable so they get engaged and Wes finally allows Isaiah to love him so they're a couple and then the money that August's grandparents left her is just enough to save Billy's so it all works out it's great boom boom it's beautiful it's so beautiful. was the interception of the letter because oh because because Augie's gay sorry he worked at the gay club okay uh, thought so So, homophobic money from dead homophobes saved this queer haven. And yes, we love it. Exactly. We love we it. We love that for them. Oh, it's so good. So, let's get into ships. None of the ships are like things that I would contest. They're all great. <laughs> um, I mean, other than Mila and the security guard, but we know. Or not the security guard, the, like, MTA guy. Like, we know that she doesn't like him. All the other ships are beautiful. August and Jane, the main couple. One true pair for life, obviously. Um, one of the things that Jane did is she called the radio station in advance of the heist. And she had them play Love of My Life by Queen. Nice. With the message, just in case. And it's so it's so beautiful. Okay, now I'm gonna read now I'm gonna read the things that made me cry. And hopefully I'll be able to read them without crying this time. Okay, three seventy-five. Jagist Sandry or Lou. Yeah, I was trying to I don't really like Jagist. Sandry could be okay. Sandria is good. Okay, these are two quotes from Jane talking about August. There was this girl. There was this girl. I met her on a train, and the first time I saw her, she was covered in coffee and smelled like pancakes, and she was beautiful like a city you always wanted to go to, like how you wait years and years for the right time, and then as soon as you get there, you have to taste everything and touch everything and learn every street by name. I felt like I knew her. She reminded me who I was. She had soft lips and green eyes and a body that wouldn't quit. <laughs> so beautiful. And then, oh, this is something that August says about Jane. Um, I fell in love with you the day that I met you, and then I fell in love with the person you remembered you are. I got to fall in love with you twice. That's the magic. You're the first thing I believed in since 
since I don't even remember, okay? Your, your movies and destiny and every stupid impossible thing. And it's not because of the fucking train. It's because of you. It's because you fight and you care and you're always kind but never easy. And you won't let anything take that away from you. You're my fucking hero, Jane. And I don't care if you think you are not one. You are. That's very sweet. It's so good. They both are like very starry-eyed for each other. They see the best in each other. It's very sweet. So, so far gone for each other. It's beautiful. Which like with the kind of love that I've experienced, that is normal for me. (laughs) Like, And that's (laughs) fortunate where it's like we just like see each other in the best possible light. We always believe in each other. And it's like I've read romance novels where that is not the case at all. And it's like yeah. you're always like questioning their motives and stuff to for the intrigue. And it's like, let's put the intrigue outside of the couple. Like, I don't want to be like, ooh, the mystery is yeah. he's actually a murderer. No. I like this. I don't want that. I like I this dynamic. That. I want I want soft but tough, beautiful yeah. lesbians. <laughs> but technically, Jane is a lesbian. August is bi. But anyways. <laughs> Uh, I digress. I digress. Uh, and then uh, Nico and Mila, which I just feel like they were meant to be together. They're so great. And like the fact that Mila literally broke up with her boyfriend after seeing Nico on site. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and they're both, they both have like chaotic energy and it just yeah, works really they well. They sound very entertaining. Mila uh, uh, and Nico yes. are both good ship names, by the way. Both yeah. good ship names. And of course they would have good yeah. ship names. Because of course. Uh, and then Wes and Isaiah. Um, I do really like their relationship because a lot of the times it's like unrequited love. And like Isaiah would be made to be like pining for someone who like doesn't care or doesn't realize. But it's like both of them like each other and it's acknowledged. It's just Wes has to work through some stuff before he can be the person that Isaiah knows that he can be. And it's not like Isaiah, like if he has to do this huge change, it's like Wes just had to accept that he could be good enough for someone else. Yeah, yeah that's a trip. It's, it's, that's a relatable it thing. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could only think of Wesaya. <laughs> which is, which is fine. Why Isaiah? <laughs> uh... <laughs> Um, and then Lucy and Winfield, uh, they're just fun. Yeah. And we don't really know a lot about their relationship because Lucy is like, not for you to know. <laughs> None of your business. I'm an earth sign. None of your business. I'm your <laughs> boss. Uh, Linfield or Lucy. It's <laughs> terrible. Um, see, why did I say security guard? Basically, the only ship we don't do is Mila and Gabe. Like, obviously. This is his job. What's his job? Um, MTA person. Uh, so, yeah, he's like an MTA person. And he got his job because of nepotism. And Oops. at one point, Mila's like, should we feel bad about this? And somebody was like, no. I heard overheard him talking about how he's sticking it to the man by not paying his own rent. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> The last is Suzette and therapy, as I said. Yeah. I think Suzette should. <laughs> now that now that her whole life quest is done, she should probably work on. Well, and now she has to work bit. on that grief too, on top of everything. Oh yeah, like, uh, I'm. 
To cut her some slack, it would be really terrible to learn that the brothers had been alive for a little bit longer and that you could have been with them. Sad. Oh, that would have sucked. That would have sucked. Okay. So, hypotheticals. Meow, meow, meow. <laughs> so. The first one is because I've been reading a lot of fanfic. I don't feel like I've mentioned it in previous episodes, but I have been reading a lot of fanfic, mostly Stranger Things and Dean Winchester. <laughs> um, but I was like, what AU would you... Uh, write for this novel um, and my first one obviously was Stranger Things I was like okay oh yeah who could be who oh yeah my first take was Steve could be August and meets Eddie on the queue like mm-hmm. that was my first I was like okay that would be good and then I was like ooh big brain thinking Steve is Nico Mila is Eddie August is Robin and Jane is Nancy oh and by the way, I feel like that <laughs> would work really well. This is Stranger Things AU with what would you call it? Like slash pairings? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So like not so like, canon pairings, but your favorite pairings. Yeah. 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 The pairings that would happen if they weren't cowards. <laughs> um, that is one of my favorite bits is to call people cowards for not doing what we want. Yeah. This also makes me think of <laughs> sliding doors, which I haven't seen in so long, so I can't even like make the comparison. But sliding doors—that's a subway movie. Uh, I have never seen sliding doors. I don't know anything about sliding doors, so I am going to be googling that later. Yeah, I think I watched it one time, um, but it's like nice. alternate reality stuff with a subway. I don't know. That's good. It's good. Couldn't it's describe good. it. Um, what what superhero could solve the problem in the story? All right. I'm trying to think of what superheroes have the ability to, like, time travel. Mm. Because that would fix a lot of it. So, like, Doctor can Doctor Strange time travel? I oh. feel like he can. I, I think he can. I think Cause, he can. Cause, yeah. So, like, Doctor Strange. Um, I think of Thor because I think of lightning being the electricity issue yes 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 yes. he could help out and thor loves lesbians so (laughs) there you go uh um i think that would work out because like why can't i think does is there any other superhero that like just just time travel is their power oh i don't know if they'd be all superheroes but there's definitely so much content out there oh yeah uh, <laughs> what is it? What is the guy uh, in the time machine? I don't even remember what his character is. Doc. Orson Welles. Maybe he could help. Oh, I thought you meant like Back to the Future. I was like, Doc? <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> he could help. Um, but I feel like the way that they solved it, like it, it did work out. They would just, with Thor or with Dr. Strange, it would just go faster. Yeah. Yeah. And they wouldn't have to do the very fun fundraising brunch. Right. And that kind of answers oh. the what would Jesus do <laughs> question that we occasionally have. <laughs> Jesus would just simply oh, solve it. Jesus Jesus would simply turn the water into wine. There you go. Um, and then they wouldn't have to pay for the alcohol. <laughs> That's all he does. <laughs> That's all he does. 
does the whole book. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. Bye. So, so it's our friend Jesus. Um. Okay. What what supervillain could make it better? I just mean. Oh, my gosh. oh Ursula would minute. be at the drag brunch first of all. Ursula oh, would be amazing. there. Yes. And would be helping antidepressant. Because, fun fact, Ursula was based on a drag queen, which I feel like you know, but our audience might not know. Ursula, keeping it real, 100%. Um, okay, I don't think that you watched Loki. I did. But, like, in the show... Oh, you did? Okay. The time the time travel. Time, for all time, always. Yes. Loki, technically, is a villain. Would he want to help? Maybe. But if it could, could make it better. Yeah, if it could benefit him, <laughs> yeah, he would. If it was part of the timeline, yeah, then I think that he would help out. And he would enjoy the shenanigans, I feel like. And Mobius would be like, I don't know if we should be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Got a bad feeling about so, this. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Is it Luke that always says that? Or is it just that said in a I bunch think, of Star Wars movies? I think it's said by different people, yeah. Okay. I got a bad feeling about it. Which I don't think I've ever said earnestly. I think I have. I've always been <laughs> I've always been worried. <laughs> <laughs> always a worrier. The um two last things are um so Jane needs like kisses and food and music to remember her memories. What would be like your trigger to get all your memories back? Food. Yeah. Food. <laughs> Maybe like a I think food. A specific kind of coffee, like a specialty coffee roast um with oat milk mm-hmm. steamed really Ooh. Yes, yes, yes. Really creamy and tasty. What about you? I think mine would be music. Uh, cause I make so many playlists for like different parts of my life. So I think music would be very important in like getting me back my memories. Yeah. I see that for you for sure. I, so I honestly probably listen to podcasts as much as I listen to music, just like <laughs> averages out. So like yeah. either let's say, uh, one of my comfort songs or an episode of like wine and crime would be it for me uh, yes 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 that would work but i really liked how they like utilized all these like different things to get her to get her memory yeah. back and they all kind of worked this book seems like a really um, natural way to like build characters and like make the impact of them falling in love like really strong because like you have to know things about her in order to help her out with your sleuthing and then you exactly to know her to know her is to love her as some might say nice kissing for research (laughs) um and then i was gonna pose the question to you is what do you think about what is your opinion on like time travel because i do really love the trope but i hate when it gets like really like scientific timey-wimey and there's like paradoxes and stuff i really it's got to be explained with the right amount of like magic, even if it's supposed to be science. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So I I don't want to know the nitty gritty. I, I super I don't. Know. It's a, a phrase that I've been saying more recently is like my brain like glazes over. Um, so when they start trying to talk about like time paradoxes and like how time travel could actually be real, uh, 
My brain's done. Yeah. My brain's done with it. I'm that character in the movie that's like, tell that to me in English. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> Say it again like I'm five. Like I'm a child. Yeah. But I'm not. But maybe just maybe just try to explain it to me like I'm just a child. assume that I'm stupid. That'll help. <laughs> so uh, my lasting impression is something that I like wrote in the, my own review of this book is that I'm just I'm obsessed with the fact that instead of a burying your gaze story, we get gays getting second chances at life and even like being thrown out of time to fall in love mm-hmm. and to make everything work. It's just really nice. And even though Augie's story is sad, he doesn't die in a fire. He has a boyfriend and he gets to live his life in California. Yeah. Like, he still dies before August gets to meet him. But it was just it was just really nice. Yeah. And things, there are consequences to, like, being selfish and being homophobic. It affects lots of people. It affects generations of people deciding that you don't love someone anymore based on something they can't change about themselves. So that is realistic. It's like, sometimes exactly. you don't get to talk to your brother again. That's sad. <sighs> yeah. But flip side, love story. We got the other love story. We got it. We got it. So I highly recommend go re- to go read this. It's one of my favorite books. Um, and again, like I said, I this is my second time reading it. And I nice. bought like a fancy version of it. So it's nice. nice. Yeah, I would love to read it. It sounds great. I So I was going to bring it with me to give to you. But then I was like, oh, we're going to do it. And I'm going to want to look at pages. <laughs> So I am actually going to send you this copy. Oh, so thank you. In the mail. <laughs> and I'll send you your one sock that you left behind. Yeah. Oh, I also found two oh. hair ties. So those are yours as well. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Those I never remember. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. If you would like to get in touch with us, please don't get lost in a temporal liminal space for like 40 years, requiring a high fundraiser to escape. Don't do it. You can find us. Don't do it. You can find us on Instagram at Lit and Love Pod, or you can email us your compliments or I guess any questions, suggestions, or passive aggressions at litandlovepod at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Bye.